0: so many of us simply aren't aware about what happens to our sewage after we flush the toilet you go to the toilet uh, you do your business you do your one you do your number two flush the toilet and magically everything disappears right that's most people's experience with wastewater If it's not that, the experience is, oh, my toilet's blocked, it's smelly, I've got to call a plumber, and I've got to take care of it. That's most of our experience with wastewater. What most people don't realize is that simply going to the toilets and doing your business and having the wastewater magically disappear is not something that most of the world actually has access to.
1: Clive, I just want to make sure that I've heard it right. The majority of people on the planet are still living, you know, how it used to be, where there there isn't any wastewater treatment or nothing really advanced. We're talking about billions of people.
0: We're looking at somewhere of 70 to 80% of the world is not treating its wastewater. We're talking billions of people. Yes, we really are. India, you have the largest population of the world that does open defecation because there's no toilets. So people go into the bush and they just shit in the bushes. Do they want to shit in the bushes? No. Do they have a choice? No. So what do they do? They shit in the bushes. They just adapt. that. These people are at risk, especially women, because it's a very uh, uncompromising position to be in.
1: Got it. Clive Lipton, thank you for coming on to the DeJargonizer. Good to be here. Thank you. To me, it feels like there is a really clear couple of fundamental things, building blocks of the way we live now, which is law and order and sanitation. You and I are both from South Africa where we see this. Talk to us about Laguna Innovation. What is the problem with wastewater treatment as it is now? Because on your website, lagunainnovation.com, your mission, your big thing says, rethinking wastewater treatment. So, what needs rethinking?
0: One of the first large-scale infrastructure projects that were done at the dawn of the Industrial Revolution around the 171800s, in cities like London and Paris, was to put in sewer networks. What were people doing in those places before? They were simply collecting their sewage and dumping directly into the streets. You know, people were getting sick, people were dying. And so one of the first things that the city planners began to think about is we have to collect the sewage, it has to go somewhere. Now what they did is they built sewer networks and some of those networks are still being used today. But those networks were only designed to collect sewage, not to treat it. So all of that sewage was collected. In other words, it wasn't flowing down the streets anymore. So that was a good thing. People weren't getting sick. But all of that sewage was being dumped in the case of London into the Thames or in the case of Paris, into the same. So the river systems are massively polluted. Wastewater treatment was the next stage. It wasn't just about let's collect sewage, but we've got to treat it so that we're not polluting these waterways. Because that sewage entering waterways, once it contaminates drinking water supply, that causes a disease. And so solving sanitation issues, right, solving these sewage issues is not just, oh, we don't want that dirty water getting into our rivers. We don't want to be causing disease or spreading disease. That's what we are addressing here at Laguna Innovation. 70, 80% of the world, that doesn't simply have the ability to have their sewage magically disappear.
1: How difficult is it to build this infrastructure, to plan it, to implement it, to have it managed?
0: Remember, this is not just domestic sewage. You need this kind of collection for factories as well. Any activity
1: that has water as
0: an input, which is pretty much everything, or produce sewage. So anything that is going to be producing sewage must be connected to a network, to a grid. So those are the pipes that you're talking about, right? And all those pipes have to run underground, which means when you're planning cities, you've got to think where are those pipes going to be? Water flows via gravity. So it's not just pipes, it's pumping stations, and reservoirs, the whole infrastructure that has to be planned and has to be effectively managed. Then that sewage has to go somewhere. And then we're talking about the wastewater treatment facility. But these facilities are large. They cannot be located near cities because they smell. It's expensive to build. And like any infrastructure, you also have to have the money for operation maintenance.
1: It's absolutely huge. It probably also relies on a couple of arms of government working together, right? The biggest problem, it's not the technology. never
0: is. It's the governance. It's politics. At the end of the day, this can be done only if there's effective governance. And if you look at where sewage and sanitation is well-managed, you're looking at places where governance functions effectively. Without a good political setup, none of this stuff works.
1: Wow. As you said, the technology exists. I guess it takes the political will and the financing that doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly.
0: Take Addis Ababa, for example. That's a city of around roughly 5 million people. Only 5% of Addis Ababa is connected to a sewer grid. 5% of 5 million. Now, how am I supposed to provide sewage treatment to 5 million people in that city if there isn't a government that I can talk to and engage, and that government has to raise finances? Another real problem is that these cities grow organically. So actually, it is even more expensive because where do I lay
1: pipes when buildings and roads and bridges have already been built? Talk to us about Laguna Innovation and where your mission is. We're solving a
0: sanitation problem by treating sewage so there's less environmental pollution, there's less public health impact, but we're treating it on-site and giving that water back to people on-site as a highly valued source of water for irrigation. And so we're linking wastewater treatment to food security. Because in most of the developing world, people are dealing with agriculture, even within city, community gardens, small farming, small, small holdings, holdings. how most of the world's agriculture is conducted. Most of the world's food is still grown at a very small and a very localized scale at an individual family level. And those people need water for irrigation. And that's what we can, do. we can take that sewage, collect it at a localized level and give it back to the community as a source of water for food production.
1: Can you describe the machine? We're not technical people and not a technical audience, but give us as technical as possible and I'll work with you to visualize those.
0: The way that we've engineered the system is to do what a large-scale facility does, but in miniature. We want to do this biologically. We want to do this with no chemicals and we want to do it in the most energy-efficient way. And so the best way to do that is actually to mimic nature or what people talk about as nature-based solution. We have algae that grow on our system and the algae treat the wastewater by feeding on the organic matter. And how do we do that?
1: Clive, sorry, before we get into the algae and where it sits and all that, this is a big box. It's the size of, I guess, a container, a shipping container, okay. smaller, well, bigger. Dimension. Just give us Got what it. looks okay, like. So the
0: dimensions of the box, so to speak, depends on how much sewage you treat. A small system is something like two meters by three meters.
1: Out of iron, corrugated iron?
0: No, no. This thing needs to be lightweight. Why? Because we bring it in on the back of a truck. weighs about 700 kilograms, one in all.
1: And I see that on the roof, there are a couple of of solar panels, Yeah, so it's self-charging.
0: Yeah, so that's very important because in many parts of the world where there's no sewage treatment, those parts of the world also lack access to electricity. So there's also a huge issue in grid connectivity.
1: Okay, a two-meter by three-meter almost looks like a little house. Its roof is made of of solar panels. Inside that box, there's a couple of of cylinders. Yeah, so so inside inside the the box,
0: box... There there are two chambers. Chamber number one is a reservoir, uh, a circular... Let's try that again. There's two chambers. The the first chamber is a a circular container. Uh, And in that container, we pump the sewage from a a collection reservoir. And in that chamber, uh, we reduce the organic matter to a very high degree. And in that chamber, the sewage is pumped and circulated. The heart of the chamber is the next chamber, which is a rectangular chamber. And in that rectangular chamber, we have a series of hanging sheets, like blinds or curtains, one next to the other. We take the water from the first chamber and we run it through a series of nozzles and we simply spray or drip the water through these nozzles onto these sheets. So the algae, that's what they grow on.
1: Okay. We looked at the outside. You've taken us inside the first chamber is a separation chamber, that then feeds into a
0: treatment chamber? That's exactly it. That interaction is what causes any remaining pollution to be removed from the water. In the bottom, we have a collection reservoir. The water is clean enough to be used in agriculture, and it's certainly clean enough to be discharged into the environment and not to be a risk either to the environment or to people's health.
1: Outstanding. All right, if we look at where we are in the story now, Clive, We started off with the context, how this stuff works. A way to do this is you take a box, put it where there isn't um, a facility, schools, clinics. Let's talk now about scaling this. How does this affect the planet? If you think about global water scarcity, how are we going to resolve global water scarcity if
0: on the one hand we don't have enough water and on the other, the water we do have, we're polluting. The climate is impacting the distribution of water around the planet and that is exacerbating scarcity. It's not just about treating sewage, it's about reusing sewage once it's treated and that's the climate aspect. If I can take the sewage, treat it, invest all that millions of dollars in treating it, why just dump it back into a river? If I'm treating it, I should reuse it and by reusing sewage mostly in agriculture for food production, that is probably the best way to adapt to the climate crisis and if I can do that, I can be in a much more sustainable position uh, vis-a-vis global water scarcity and climate change.
1: You have a pilot going on now in South Africa. Can you take us into that? We are going
0: to be installing a laguna system, an environmental education center in Mamelodi Township, which is just outside Pretoria.
1: How many people now live in Mamelodi? Mamelodi
0: is part of the city of Chawane, which incorporates roughly 3 million people. That's a lot. I tell you, every single one of those households is maybe connected to a sewer grid, but I know where the sewage is going. It's going into the river. Why is that a problem? This actually has highlighted the value of Laguna for South Africa. That river is being contaminated by sewage upstream and people are drinking that water downstream. And that's why there's a cholera outbreak. The mayor is under massive pressure to find a solution to this. You can't just keep dumping the sewage into the river. Nobody should die from cholera.
1: Give us your best projections how the company grows.
0: In five years, we need to be selling upwards of between 10 to 20 units a year for the company to be profitable. For me, the real opportunity in South Africa is real estate. Real estate developers in South Africa have a big problem now because they can't populate their project if they can't provide basic service to their unit. Drinking water, electricity, solid waste, sewage. You can't rely on the government anymore. Nothing is effective.
1: It sounds like a big challenge also to find partners and collaborators and get this out and scale this up
0: spoken to people in India. We've spoken to people in Brazil, Jordan. Everybody wants the solution. Nobody wants to pay for it. This is a challenge in water in general, right? Sewage is something that the government should solve. It's not my problem. It's the government's problem. We are saying this is a localized solution. You do have to pay for it, but you're also benefiting. You're benefiting because you're not getting that water back. And again, that's why the reuse angle is really important from the business perspective, I'm not just treating a nuisance, I'm actually providing you with a productive source of water.
1: Got it. I feel like we've gotten to a point in the story. Where we started with the real high level global view of water and sanitation, wastewater treatment. And then we've gone into through your company and through the box and the challenges and how it works and the challenges of finding a partnerships and how those could be solved. And we have examples in South Africa. The vision is that once people see this working and it's tested and it's trusted, that more and more places will adopt this. It's cheaper, it's easier, it's quick. That sounds like it could take a while but it's definitely a worthy project. Let's go over the horizon 5, 10, 15 years. On the optimistic side, what does the world start to look like when Laguna innovation is successfully scaled? And take us into that chapter.
0: This is work that takes decades. So we also have to have a humanity. humility. Laguna is not going to solve the world's sanitation problem, but Laguna can chip away at that problem. Let's just take South Africa, right? So today, South Africa has less than one third of their wastewater facilities function. So if Laguna were to be an effective player in the South African market, no longer is cholera a major crisis in South Africa. 10 years from now, 15 years from now, river systems are cleaner because Laguna is operating across South Africa and the risk factor to people has reduced significantly. It's going to be a long journey and we have to be highly committed, I believe in what I'm doing, I believe in the technology, it works. Maybe we will be the Xerox of off-grid wastewater treatment.
1: Xerox? I think we might want to find a different...
0: you are got to say I'm going to Xerox. Xerox now is a verb, right?
1: <laughs> oh boy, we're showing our age. You want to be the Uber yeah, for right. wastewater treatment.
0: I would, okay.
1: I want to be the Airbnb. You want to be the Chat uh, yeah, GPT. Yeah. <laughs> Clive, is there anything you feel like I've missed? Is there something that you haven't gotten across?
0: I think we've had a great discussion. We want to expose the sanitation issue. We don't want this thing to be a hidden issue. So long as it remains hidden, it's always going to be a problem. Everybody's talking about climate change. How many people are talking about sanitation, right? If the level of awareness to sanitation can be matched in climate change, then I think we've made a huge impact.
1: How do you connect global warming and rising seas to sanitation
0: climate impacts water the hydrological cycle is determined by climate today rainfall is more and more unpredictable around the world because of climate change why is that a problem because most of the world's food is still grown with rainfall food around the world is becoming more problematic because rainfall is becoming more erratic laguna can help solve that problem by introducing recycled wastewater, which is a much more predictable source of water at high value. And that would improve food security. And by improving food security, you are adapting to a changing climate. It's that connection that people are not seeing at this point.
1: So let's work on that. It's a bit convoluted. I think we can chip it away. So let me see if I can get this right. Most people, when they think of climate change, they think of global warming. When it is hot, it's hotter than it used to be, and when it's colder, there's, the rainfall is erratic. This is affecting the vast majority of smallholder farmers, people who produce food for themselves, their families, their communities that sell them on the side of the road. It's, so it's affecting their livelihood and food, and the way that Gwena connects to this is that it gives them wastewater back that is actually cleaned up and treated for them from their own use. Let's connect those in just yeah, a. I suppose what, just, what we're both
0: trying to say, Amir, it's somewhat a circular economy approach, right? So if I'm a smallholder farmer and I'm growing crops, like you said, to feed my family, but also to market and make some income, I'm actually one of the most vulnerable to climate change. Because if I'm only dependent on rainfall, that rainfall now is not as predictable as it once was. So my crop yields are less than they once were. How do I? me, the farmer, how do I solve that problem? I need water, I need water for irrigation and rainfall is no longer reliable. So where will I get that water from? At the same time, in the community that I live in, my sewage is flowing to the river and polluting the river. If I can clean my sewage, I clean the river, and then I can take that treated sewage and pipe it and direct it to my farm as a complementary source of water to rainfall. And in that way, I've done that circular economic approach and I am building my resilience to a more erratic hydrological pattern due to climate change. Maybe still convoluted. I don't know. But anyway, I like
1: that. I think that's, I think it's better. You're treating the water and you're cleaning the water and you're reusing the water. You're allowing clean living. It feels like a very worthy. I'm super happy that you agreed to come onto the podcast and talk about this. And um, I wish you just the best of success.
0: Thank you very much for the opportunity. This kind of experience is exactly the kind of thing that we need, right? We need this exposure. We would be successful if every time somebody flushed the toilet, they would think, okay, it's not just disappearing. It's going somewhere. Somebody has to take responsibility. We are at the back end, if you will, and we are taking responsibility for that action of you just flushing
1: the toilet. I like it. Okay, let's stop there. If we had to put a headline on this story, on this narrative, taking in the full sweep, the climate, the politics, the technology, the the water. For me, it's water is life, sanitation is civilization. There are places in the world that had wastewater and sanitation infrastructure that was functioning and now don't, for whatever reason. The effects of climate change, political instability, financial instability. Down the line, your city, your town that had these things, you take them for granted. Flush toilet goes away; it's never a problem. You never think about it. This could happen to you. Thanks for listening to the Dejargonizer. For more episodes and ways to connect with me, please visit Dejargonizer Pod dot com. That's dejargonizerpod dot com.